0: Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful, emotional, and physical intimacy, and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. I'm so excited to have you with me on the language of love, especially for this episode. We have someone who I've had a little sort of, I was joking with him before we started recording that I've been like a a stealth a stealth fangirl for a while (laughs) just watching his energy updates but we are so lucky to have lee harris with us say hi lee
1: hi hi great to be here thank you for inviting me laura
0: oh i'm so excited just in case you don't know who lee harris is he's a globally acclaimed energy intuitive transformation teacher and uh his book energy speaks which i believe came out in 2019 was an immediate bestseller. He's the host of Impact the World, which is a podcast and his album Awaken. He's also, if that's not enough, a musician. (laughs) And I know that's kind of how you started. But to us, it's like, oh, and also he's this amazing healing uh, musician. His album Awaken, which was produced by David Bozic, Is it Bozick or Bozick?
1: we pronounce it Davo Bozic.
0: Okay. So I say it totally wrong. I Say, I say that it, again.
1: I Don't worry. I, I always call him Davo Bozic, which is just, yeah. But
0: Davo Bozic.
1: Davo. So yeah, but it, yeah. It, it translates to David in Slovenia, where he's from.
0: David Bozic is how it's spelled. But that is now number two on iTunes and Amazon or, or went to number two on iTunes and Amazon, New Age Music. So Clearly, we are all very hungry and open and excited about the teachings of Lee Harris. And I was asking him before we started, like, how much time do you have? Because I have so much to ask you. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to be getting into, which I'm really excited to share with you all, is Lee is a channel. And the bottom line is... And I know he believes this. Technically, we're all channels. And we're going to talk a little bit, Lee, about, you know, how he came to discover this for himself. But also, I know that he teaches other people how to do it. And we all have a channel inside us waiting to open and give us that guidance and support. And I, for one, am very game to kick that into gear. So we're going to be giving you some guidance, hopefully, to get you started on that journey as well, because we could all use that uh, internal reference system coming through a little more strongly and feel the grace a little more strongly in today's chaotic world. So I'm excited to talk about that. But Lee, if we can, I just want to start at the beginning, right? You know, you've been very open, at least from what I've read and watched of you about your struggles as a kid. You know, I like how you say, and I related to this so much, not only as a grown-up who was a similar child, it sounds like to you, um, my wounds maybe manifested a little bit differently than yours. But I also am that am your mother in some ways. I don't know a lot about your mother, but as you describe your family, because, and, you know, I'm very open and I know, you know, and everyone knows, you know, about my middle son who tragically died less than a year ago. And so much of what you describe was him. And in many ways, the, he had such a hard time in the world. You know, you describe yourself. Oh, I love how you, you I, I read or saw somewhere, you know, you say you came from a loving family. It wasn't like they I mean, we all have our limitations. We're growing up as we raise our children, for God's sake. But that you were a very sensitive and intuitive child and you didn't understand that. And, you know, your family didn't recognize. that they didn't understand that either. So you didn't really have any guidance or containers or coping mechanisms to deal with that. You know, what I would try to explain to Sammy so often, and I try to explain to everyone is that we're all taking in 40 billion bits of information every millisecond and only consciously processing 2000 of them. But many children come into the world, maybe it's part of their soul path or contracts or growth or whatever, but they are processing a shit ton more than that. And, all of us. I mean, I think that's what's happening with you when you started channeling is that you started taking in more than those 2000 bits per millisecond of the 40 billion. Right. Um, And so that's probably what was happening to you as a child, you were getting all this input. And then we have these little bodies and brains that don't know how to deal with it. And you said that you kind of turned to food, which my oldest son, that's his crutch. Um, My middle one was just Isolating and shutting down from the world, and then eventually started it, his first experimentation. Really into drugs was what killed him because it was a counterfeit uh, drug that he'd ordered on Snapchat. But I know how we and he in his case he was too stubborn. I would try to get him. You know he would roll his eyes at my woo woo stuff when I would try to take him to my healer friends or psychic friends who were really good at helping empaths protect their energy. I would try to teach him but he just really wasn't open to it. And I know so many parents are listening and either are that person that is taking in so much, especially now more than ever, or a parent of a child who it seems like they're acting out, seems like they're ADHD, seems like they're all over the place. But the truth is they're just taking in so much and they're so intuitive and sensitive. So I just want to ask, for your thoughts on that and maybe your guidance to us, especially as parents, of, of what, what we could do differently or what we could offer our children.
1: It's interesting you bring all that up because I'm immediately remembering. I was recording a, a workshop for Gaia TV a few weeks ago and there was a whole channel in 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 one of the sections I was recording for them and it talked about teenagers and it talked about Try and put yourself in the position of a teenager who is essentially growing the adult equivalent of five years in every one year they're going through and trying to deal with it all. And it's a certain level of chaos for them, for their nervous system, for their personality. And it was saying, don't worry if they pull away from you. Uh, That's part of the design because they're suddenly trying to individuate, they're getting towards this very scary adult world. And suddenly realizing it's it's not as coddled as childhood was, unless, of course, you came from a very difficult childhood, which right. is a different story. But
0: right.
1: suddenly you're going to have to cope with all of this and the socialization with other kids, which, as we know, like the playground can be brutal. <laughs> brutal. I mean, the playground is like the training ground for adulthood in a way. So, it kind of helped me understand why we often hear this thing about teenagers who pull away mm-hmm. and, and i also think as as boys i think we're hopefully at this point in time beginning to understand that boys need as much space held around their feelings as girls do girls just naturally take to it and i think the way the culture has been that's one thing girls are allowed mm-hmm. whereas boys you know especially if you go back a couple of decades it was it was just taboo for boys yes. to talk about their feelings think about their feelings and it certainly wasn't safe so i was one of those kids that even though my family was loving and still are to this day and even with my odd job, you know, I eventually had to come out about what I did mm-hmm. with my job when it was getting a bit too popular. I could no longer hide it from, yeah. from my family. They were great. I mean, it's, it wasn't their realm of understanding. Channeling was way out there for them. But, you know, they loved and supported me and trusted, I think, my, for my parents, especially, who is a bigger stretch for because of their generation. Yeah what they saw was the people who would come to my events that got helped yeah. and they would talk to them and they they could understand that. And so- but We may I, not
0: know what you're doing, but we know it's helping people and we yeah. really appreciate and, that, yeah.
1: And they met the people and they really liked the people. I'm like, my favorite thing at those events was watching my parents talking Aww, to audience members at the so end. Like sweet. That was just like, yeah. you know, I just love that. And we don't have my dad anymore, but you know, one of my favorite memories of him was the very last event he came to in in the middle of 2019 and how moved he was. So, but I think the interesting thing that the Z's were saying, the Z's are the names of my guides.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about all that.
1: They were saying that parents have to be really vigilant about not being so hard on themselves and understanding that, yes, you're a, a custodian for this child and this being, but they've also come to be their own soul and to be their own person and to teach you things. And I do think in our Culture, the line gets a little blurry for parents around. Well, at what point am I in charge or in control of this being? And at what point is this being free to be who they are? And I'm not talking about let them be reckless or put themselves in harm's way, But but
0: express themselves fully and be totally accepted for who they are. And, you know, the hard thing, I think, in our case, and probably in yours too, because, you know, I know you weren't out as. a a gay man or as a channel yet (laughs) as your child. You weren't even aware. Both those
1: things were my problem. Like I think they were, that was two, two big things that I was having to deal with. Those are big things
0: to deal with. And in my son's case, you know, he had all the, I think, I mean, I'm sure we weren't perfect, but he, he loved being home. That was where it was safe. And he was allowed to be himself. And, but he was judged. He just didn't fit in the rest of the world. Adults loved him but kids were evil to him. And and in teenage years, that's all they want. Life is not worth living in some ways, or, or certainly not worth living without trying to do whatever you can to fit in, which is what he was doing. And so in retrospect, when you think back on your earlier childhood, even if it wasn't your parents who probably didn't have the capacity to do much more than love you as they did, You know, and maybe this is something you you don't even know yet. And I would love you to ask the Z's at some point, because I'm really curious about this. Is there something beyond? I mean, obviously, the bare minimum we can do is accept our children for who they are and let them fully express and understand that they come through us, not from us. And we are their stewards and their guides, especially by the time they're six or seven years old. They're cooked. Now it's about just trying to keep the boundaries and letting them express as they need to express within reason and not projecting our fears onto them. But beyond that, I do feel like there's a whole generation of children in particular right now, like these under 12 kids who are super sensitive and empathic and are living in a world that doesn't know how to help them move with it. And so... Maybe we put a pin in this question for later, but I am curious if there's practical guidance of things we can teach kids and maybe parents to teach kids about ways to ground themselves, to put boundary, energetic boundaries up so that they're not feeling, you know, highly sensitive people, you know, is what they call them, where they're noisy, they hear so much and they don't like crowded spaces. And then they get misdiagnosed as being on the spectrum and then they're medicated, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I'm just like putting that out there. I don't want to go I don't want to derail our conversation because I have so many other things I want to ask you about, but that is something I will respectfully ask you to ask the Zs at some point unless they have something to say on that now.
1: There's a couple things coming in and one is more personal to you and one is more general, so I'll do the general. The general is that if we as a culture can allow the conversation and the the awareness of our feelings to mm-hmm. just be a part of the daily conversation, That's enough. Like, if you as a parent are helping the child acknowledge their feelings and talk about their feelings in a way that's comfortable for that child, Mm -hmm. that's enough. And the reason I say that is the opposite would be invading a child's privacy around feelings or walloping them over the head with it, you know, not knowing, oh, this is my agenda or my fear, but actually just having enough language in the room and, and around yourself. of being able to say, I'm really sorry I spoke to you that way. I realized I just got upset. I had that strange thing when I was driving the car and it upset me. And I didn't realize and then I spoke to you too harshly. I'm really yeah. sorry. You know, modeling that. Modeling too. that so yeah. they see it with you, but they also have a, a space for it to be with themselves. And I think that's the most important thing that you can do is to allow the feelings to be in yeah. the room. The other thing for parents, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this already. The child is going to bring you back to that age of your childhood, every age they go through. Mm
0: -hmm. So if
1: your 13th year was a really tough year, pay attention to what happens (laughs) when your child (laughs) hits 13. Yep. Because there is going to be a feedback loop in your life with this child. It doesn't mean they will be a clone of you exactly, but it does mean that there will be a crossover in the healing that's going on that year. And then the last thing, just about, you know, your boy is. The power that you and your husband and your family are now going to come into as a result of his leaving was part of the design. You guys couldn't have gone to your next level of power as aware beings and as custodians of change on the planet. And when I say custodians of change on the planet, I'm always reminded by the Zs that a grandmother whose only real major job as she sees it is looking after that grandchild Mm-hmm. You're a custodian of change on the planet. You don't yes. have to be on Oprah's book club, right, right, which is right. often the way that our you know yes. our societal stuff conditions us. but we all have we all have different roles and different makeup. But with your boy, that that's the thing that I hear. It's like the the power that he is, the power that once you're through the stages of grief that you need to get through, that you, your husband, and your family will now stand for and ripple across the world is magnified as a result. And as hard as it can be for us to lose our loved ones, because none of us, and especially, I I can't even imagine for you guys with, with your child. But the one thing the Z's say is that one of the biggest problems we have in our culture is we take life for granted. And the truth is, any of us could go at any minute. And they say that as we go through our life, we have many exit points planned. So for example, I might have a hundred possible exit points in my life if I live to 67. And you could yeah. say, well, what's an exit point? It's just a moment where the
0: You could the, be hit by a car the crossing gap the street. Between my
1: human self and my soul gets very thin. Mm-hmm. And there's an option for my soul to go. Are you done? Is this Let's a good time you. for you to go? <laughs> and is this the right time? for everyone around you. It's interesting, again, recent, a recent channeling, they talked about the effect that Diana, Princess Diana's death had on England. Mm. And I remember being blown away at the time when that happened. I'd never seen such an emotional reaction in my country. Yeah. And they said yeah. the timing of her death was the most powerful thing she ever did, mm. because of the way that she affected and opened the hearts. And of course, at the time, everyone's like, "Oh my God, we, no, no one wants this for that for the family for, for you know country, our loss of her. her."
0: Yeah.
1: But but they said that was her her greatest act of power for the world yeah. because she activated hearts. So from their perspective, they're looking at things that we're here temporarily.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I we've get that. been
1: trained to get very attached to it all and go, Oh, well, this is what I want to happen when I'm 20. Yes. And when I'm 40, someone said I should be married and have a career, you know, all that stuff that isn't true, that we have to break down from our cultural programming that actually isn't taking into account our spiritual life.
0: Yeah, I, I love everything that you said. And I I have gotten that message in so many ways. I mean, it doesn't make, well, maybe it does. I don't know. It's not like the loss isn't still unbelievably painful, but I am also aware already. I mean, that was one of the first things I said to my husband when he was like, you know, we were first that it just happened. And one of the first things he said to me is, we're going to make it through this. We're going to be okay. We're going to stay together. We're going to support each other. And I said, yes, and you have to be prepared that I'm going to come out the other side a totally different version of myself. I have no idea what that's gonna look like yet, but I know that every cell in my being is now changing energetically, spiritually, physically in every way. Like I could feel it and know it. And you can't go through something like this, I don't think, without that happening. So I do feel like and I already see the impact that he's had and all, you know, and he really wanted to have an impact on the world. So I understand all of that. And I also agree, I believe that this is a stopover you know, our lives. And the one, and I say this to my friends all the time when they're stressing about stupid stuff. And I kind of have the right to say it right now. Eventually I'll have to stop. But I keep saying to them, look in 30 seconds, your whole world can change. Like none of us know anything that's going to happen 30 seconds from now. We can't. And life is so fragile And it's so precious. And I feel so, I mean, that's the irony is to be in that pain, but also feel so unbelievably grateful that I get to be here and that I'm still here and that I could not be, any of us could not be in a split second. And so, you know, you're just, you're confirming. So I really appreciate that, what I've been feeling and believing. And I think, you know, let's talk about disease because we've mentioned them a couple of times. This is the group. It's a group of energies, teachers, ascended masters. I mean, what do you call them?
1: Well, so entities. When, <laughs> yeah, I, I call them I call them entities and 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 a collective. And I'll I'll go back to when it happened for me. So first of all, it, I was twenty three, and I was because of my childhood with you know I went to weight I was taken to Weight Watchers age ten, and I lost mm. I think I think I lost like fifteen pounds at yeah. the time, which was seen as a success. And then I was in and out of different diet clinics in my teenage years because I just, you know, ballooned and then lost the weight and ballooned and lost the weight because I was binge eating sugar. Mm -hmm. So then at the end of the whole thing, I had a moment where everything changed for me. And I went to a mixed school after being at an all boys school Mm -hmm. that was very science and mathematics based, which was so not me. And suddenly I went to this creative uh, college that was mixed. And then it was like my light came back and my soul came back. So I was able to slowly, I think I lost like 60 pounds between the ages of 16 and 18 and I was smaller. Yeah. But then I turned to bulimia because I hadn't been able to stop the binging, but I knew I didn't want to put the weight on. So mm-hmm. I had bulimia for a couple of years. So long story short, by the time I'm twenty to 23, I've already been very interested in metaphysics. I love going to tarot readings. I don't know why I feel so alive when I go for them, but I do. Something feels very alive in my system. And I had friends who would ask my advice and I would sometimes, I didn't know this at the time, I would feel intuitively what to say, but I didn't necessarily know it. So at 23, I'm on the London Underground, which is the tube train, the subway, mm-hmm. going to my job. At the time, it, I was working in fundraising while I was trying to get my music career going. And um, I was beating myself up in my head. And I knew that very well.
0: <laughs> like, <you laughs> yes, know, we all do. Judgmental, that, you know. That evil you know. roommate in our head who's telling I mean, us, what I was so used to those
1: voices, yeah. right? So they're all chatting away about what I've done wrong or what I'm not good enough about and all that stuff. It's kind of normal. And then all of a sudden, there's this voice from the left that says, that's an interesting theory, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what? And it was
0: not. It was a different kind of voice. And it was from outside your head.
1: And it was above. And still to this day, if I hear them, it's always to my left and and above my head. Now, it's different for everyone, by the way. So I've heard other people experience it differently. And at first, quite honestly, I thought to myself, is this multiple personality disorder.
0: Do I have schizophrenia here really, in Yeah, yeah Which I would what, worry too. It was too. called
1: back then. And the one thing that I wondered, you know, I was like, oh God, this is going to be awkward. This is, oh Jesus, you know what I'm going to do with this. But what was interesting was if the voice was multiple personality disorder, I got a really good one.
0: Because <laughs> the voice was like yeah.
1: useful, authoritative, but never controlling or insistent, but mm-hmm. just very clear. Like you know, it kind of felt like the, the elder friends that I had at that time, who mm-hmm. I went to for help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, anyway, So someone
0: just a lot wiser and more together than you.
1: Totally, and, and not phased <laughs> yeah. by anything yeah. either. Yeah, like not never, judgmental,
0: no, not taking no, it personally. No,
1: what no were the emotions, you know. Whereas yeah. these voices in my head yeah. were all accompanied by. Uh, yeah. So they they told me why I was wrong about what I was thinking, and they explained how I was seeing it different wrongly. And I, it was so clear. And all of a sudden it was like having a therapist tell me what the pattern of behavior was Ah. and say, no, this isn't their fault. This is yours. And here's why.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I suddenly just saw it and it was so clear and I didn't feel judged. So I wasn't defensive and, and my whole being opened and I was Mm kind of like this "Mm -hmm." and I suddenly just went like this and I was like, who is this? What is this? And they said, well, we're your guides and we've been with you since childhood, but you haven't been able to no. hear us. Um, they said, but we're, we're, bigger than your, we're a bigger group than your guides. There are 88 of us. Some wow. of us have been incarnate before on earth. Some of us have been incarnate in other places, but we're a collective consciousness. I wasn't very familiar with that term at the time but I remember thinking, well, hang on, I've heard of channeling, but it's one thing. It's like yeah. Abraham, or I hadn't heard of Abraham at that time, but you know, I'd only heard of there's one entity talking yeah. through people. And they went, no, because there's never one entity. They said, even you are composed of all the people that you've met and all the influences that you've had. You're not one singular being, so neither are we one singular being, but you will hear it through this voice and you can call me Zachary. Um, oh my so gosh. that was, so, yeah, cause I was going to
0: say, how do 88 people agree on what they're going to tell you, but they're like a collection of, of yeah. immediate connection and consciousness. So and that I've
1: never heard 88 people all at once. You know, <laughs> I only ever, I only ever hear it as a singular voice, Yeah. but in a way, the way I've come to understand it, which has been helpful for me, Laura is. How many people do we think you are? And how many people do we think yeah. I am? Oh, I mean, we're I'm probably about at least Thousands a and thousands yeah. of people, like, you know, with all the influences that people we've known, people we didn't know, but who laid down a pathway for our behavior before we got here. So, um, yeah, the reason they're called disease is the ones who came forward as spokespeople, there were three they eventually became one again. It was around 2014. They said, we're just going to speak as one group. We're no longer going to individuate between the three spokespeople. But the people who followed my work at the time referred to them as the Zs because they never knew which Z they were going to get. So uh-huh. so that was kind of how it stuck. And yeah, I've been channeling them now for 22 years and publicly for 17.
0: That's amazing. and I And I think it is like having... Uh, I mean, I am more aware than ever, and I've just started to connect. I hear, you know, how I started to connect with my guides is when my spirit mother, second mother, like love of my life, mother love incarnate in human form. Her name was Sandra Flowers, and she died almost two years ago. Um, But after she died, anytime, like right now I can say her, her name was Sandra, but my, we called her Sasa. I say Sasa and I immediately hear, yeah, baby. She's like right here on my left side. I don't really ask her questions other than, are you there? Or I'm scared, you know, cause like, it's not like we had, you know, she was more mother love to me. She was like my nanny growing up and my mother more and also my mother's mother in many ways, but she was very simple. You know, it wasn't like she read Plato or anything, you know? So, so, it, but I know that once we're not in these bodies anymore, we have access to everything. Right. But is that an example of, cause I sometimes think I'm crazy and I'm just manifesting her cause I miss her. And it is a comfort to me. She's always right there on my left side. And she told me she would always be there before she died. But how do you know the difference?
1: Well, you know the way I. By the way, the reason you think you're crazy is we've been trained to think it's crazy. You know, if you go back to the witch trials, we have since learned was just a really convenient way to get rid of an intelligent, outspoken, or strong Mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Accuse her of witchcraft. That was a really big thing back then. Yes. Um, So we. It's interesting if you look at the fear that we have that we've been trained into around our spiritual life. If it's organized and it goes through a church, for example, and it goes through a pastor or a priest and they have a direct access to God and they tell oh, us. Then we can, believe
0: it. Yeah. Then it's
1: different. And, yeah. and, and I noticed that in America, that's a much more ingrained um, a culture in America than it is in England, for example. Yeah. But we have been taught to fear, judge and reject.
0: Yeah. And um, mistrust I, I it. it. Like itself. that can't be real. Totally. I'm making it up. But so the, how do you the way, know the way I would real. say
1: to you is, you know, is it if you think you're crazy, is it actually helping you yes. or is it damaging your life?
0: No, it's helping me. But how do I? But, but I want to know the question I would say
1: to ask yourself, yeah. because for me, I was like, if I die and someone says to me and, you know, if there's a life review and they go, oh, by the way, Lee, you didn't really have guides. That was just John. <laughs> That was John on a tanoi, and he was sending yeah. me messages. I'm like, okay, I don't yeah. care. Like, it still helps. I'm, I'm not attached to yeah. the mechanics, yeah. but I'm very attached to the effect. Yeah, that's
0: and a good point. And the effect
1: is because the effect for me has been incredibly grounding and has actually made me a better person in the world, not a worse person in the world. Then I'm like, okay, I'm I'm good with this. this yeah, whatever is, this it is, I'm good, I'm
0: with, good, good with it. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to say to the doubting Thomases out there, which I give voice to in my head. That's one of my gremlins, because I grew up with so many doubting Thomases that sort of squelched that side of me from the time I was really little. So we um, all
1: did, by the way, we all we all grew up with doubt as the default. Yes,
0: yes. So that's a really powerful suggestion. You know, that's why I always say I'm a big fan of unless it's a clinical trial. I'm a big fan of the placebo effect, because like regardless, it's helping. (laughs) So All right, so we're going to continue this conversation, okay, Lee?
1: Perfect.
0: All right, and if you want to learn more about Lee Harris, go to leeharrisenergy.com. You can find the links to everything there, his books, his podcast, his YouTube channel, his energy predictions, his channeling. He's an amazing resource, and we will see you next time on The Language of Love.